Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith. Now, if you were to take time and go all the way back to episode one of this show, you'd hear my original definition of sustainable e-commerce. While my knowledge of this space has certainly exploded thanks to all the amazing guests we've had on the show, chatting to today's guest forced me to look all the way back to those foundation principles and remember that above all else, sustainable e-commerce is about managing balance. It's about managing the balance between profit and purpose. It's about managing the balance between growth and sustainability, between analysis versus action, between building knowledge internally versus hiring external talent, between supporting small, local and uncertified providers versus validated overseas brands, and between enthusiastically sharing how your product is better for the planet versus avoiding greenwashing at all costs. So my guest today is Hayden Brass, founder and CEO of Zia, a sustainable health and wellness brand with the goal to improve the quality of life and enrich the well-being of 10 million people globally by 2030. Today's conversation is a fascinating one to me because Hayden shares insights into just how pervasive that balance is across all facets of his brand. He also candidly shares many of the challenges he's really faced in the struggle to maintain that balance, especially when you're striving for growth in both business and impact. So with that, let's start the show. Hayden Brass, welcome to the show. Thanks, Charles. Really, really glad to be here. Uh, do you know what? It's really cool to have you as well. Uh, we have so much exciting and interesting things to talk about, uh, Hayden, so I'm super excited to get going. But before we do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what does Zia do? Sure, absolutely. So my name's Hayden. Our business is called Zia, and we've got a range of health and wellness products um, with a very sustainable focus, obviously, around around them. Our idea really is around using a unique Tasmanian native called Kunzia. That's how we stand out. That's our clear point of difference. And so obviously got a lot of health benefits associated with it that give our products a really unique point of difference within the market. So um, from pain management to, to raw honey to uh, skincare to a to a degree, but a whole range of different products using this one one unique ingredient, and that's just uh, how we've been rolling for just up to almost seven years now. So it's been a very exciting journey up until this point. So wow, yeah, seven years building Zia to what it is today. As I understand it, though, your background goes a bit deeper than that. Back to you know, certainly with the business, back to when you were growing up uh, over in Tassie. Well, it's actually, I mean, it's been more than seven years, really. Like in terms of the actual business so so i i grew up in tassie i actually was surrounded by my parents my mum's a naturopath my dad was a horticulturalist so i grew up in tassie working at shows and markets and expos and um selling natural soaps candles essential oils all that sort of jazz so that was my i grew up around that that sort of thing and then this one tassie native that people kept asking for kunzia so kept coming up to the stand asking for this and we did a bit of investigation, started working with uh, some compounding pharmacists to to develop a few initial products. So that was that's kind of how the early days started, and we started to see a bit of traction, good results. Mum used it in her clinic, and 
everything along those lines. And um, then I moved to Melbourne. In the background, this was still happening along along that time. And I went to uni, did marketing and business, even though that meant nothing in the real world of marketing and business. But you know, I did go to uni for that and then did a couple of years of consulting. And then uh, in 2016, I thought, oh, we've been working on this for a while in the background. I can actually see a re- real opportunity here to actually improve the quality of people's lives and have a real impact with this unique ingredient and develop a really unique product here. So I decided oh, I'll put a bit of money into it and actually try and turn this into a real uh, business rather mm. than just being a family project and improve people's lives. So it was kind of like the journey started well before even 2016. And then since then, it's just kind of been <laughs> hard yakka ever since, but it's yeah. been well worth it every step of the way for sure. Yeah. Such an interesting journey that starting off as as you say, a sort of family, family project and probably a, I don't know if you call it a family project, a side hustle, but it sort of felt it's way you've just described it sounds like it kind of was. And but it's still very much a family business now, isn't it? Even though it's it's got, you know, much more of a core focus and and it's growing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, sadly my dad passed away a month or two months after I started in 2016. It was unexpected. So that was um that was a really hard time really, really hard period of the business, one of the hardest yeah. periods in life, as as you can expect. But it actually made me more motivated to make it work. So, and the family as well. So my mum's still involved. She's um, involved as sort of that natural health part of the business. And then my yeah. my life partner's involved as well. So uh, my fiance, Jade, she's general manager and does a lot of the marketing. And then my brother and sister are also involved in different capacities. So logistics and content creation, respectively. And I know it's it's crazy that we've still managed to make it work and you get the ups and downs of running a family business as well um, through those yeah. sort of journeys. But I think the biggest biggest takeaway from working with your family is that loyalty. You've got these these people that you're working with every day that you just feel really you trust them implicitly, or we in my in my case we do, and we can just bounce off each other and like um, it makes such a big difference. I love talking about this and and. I suppose in a way you guys are uh, kind of the second family business we've talked to on the show. Um, so I, I want to go off on a tangent immediately on that because I think I just think it's a fascinating scenario. And obviously uh, lots of people choose to not include their partners or their wives or their spouses or their family in the, in business because of the challenges that that can present, right? But you guys are obviously making it work. So I'm really intrigued to find out from you, what's the core essence of how you've managed to make that dynamic kind of really work and rather than being kind of fighting? So I know as much as I love my brother, if we did a business together, we would, it would be a real challenge, right? So how, what's the key ingredient that makes that work for you guys? I think uh, this comes up occasionally. And I think one aspect that is really core for us is there's no power struggle. I think it's really clear that it's my business. I started the business. So I was the one that put the initial investment in and wanted to make it work and really the key driver in the early years. So there's never really been that sort of power struggle that I think a lot of family businesses might might have. So I think from that aspect, that's been always a real key that we've been able to to make it work. And then um, working with my partner, I think we just we just bounce off each other really well. We have challenging times and I, I like I'm mm. not gonna lie the last few months at the beginning of this year has been really challenging for from a burst both a personal and business uh side of things but we just kind of get through it and we yeah. we the challenges kind of get overweighed by the 
the value of working together in the day to day and being able to trust each each other so implicitly. I think mm. that's where we kind of get through it and then yeah, see the light at the end of the tunnel during those more challenging times as well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, you know, I think it's apparent that, you know, nothing is necessarily plain sailing and obviously we're we're sailing into choppy economic waters at the moment, which is going to make it even more even less plain sailing. But obviously we want to talk more about the sustainability side of the business. Um you know, through the course of this podcast, but I just want to finish off on that note with, do you find that everybody, because you're a family, because you're all together all the time, is everybody on the same page and just as passionate about the sustainability angle of your business as you are, or are you, are you really setting the pace and everyone else kind of follows along? How would you describe that? I would say that's one of the most consistent things for us. I think that's one of the things that actually makes us all really well aligned. I think if we're all like, I mean, money's always a big part of the business, but if if we're all like just driven by that and only that, I don't think I don't think the family would have been involved as long as they have been. I think that sort of mm. sustainability and also that sort of like um, bigger impact sort of vision of the business and having like an impact on people's lives is the reason why I'm still in it at this stage yeah. and why um, the family's in it to such a big degree. So I think. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that allows it, ties it all back together and gives us that sort of bigger, bigger reason and bigger purpose for for doing what we do and like going yeah. through those challenging times for sure. I suspected you might say that if only because the last family business we talked to on the show, their values, their drive to make an impact in the world through what they were doing was absolutely the core of what held it all together um, and their shared commitment to their goals. You know, besides the financial part, that was sort of irrelevant almost. It was the, what do we want to achieve as a family? And it sounds like you guys are all collectively on the same journey to build a business from the ground up that is sustainable and have an impact in the world. And that's more important to you. That's what keeps you driving on rather than the ups and downs, which always happen financially. So Interesting to hear that from another brand. I think we're hitting hitting on something really int- intriguing here from a family business dynamics point of view. So thanks for sharing that. I hadn't expected to go down that line, but there we are. So let's bring it back though, Hayden, to to the sustainability aspect of it. Obviously, what you guys make, you you're, you're making um, you know sort of creams and lotions and and so on made out of uh, kunzia, all sorts of health products made made out of the kunzia oil. Tell us though about where the sustainability element comes in for you what where does that whole story start for you guys i think for me i don't think i got into business with like i think it was the from the, the get-go like i i was always sort of like one of the reasons why i started it in the first place i i always every decision we kind of made in the very early days even like um using that one ingredient as an example like even the the sustainability aspect of it and the way that it's harvested etc etc all that all that aspect of it and the way that we get it locally and work with local producers, et cetera. I think um, it's all kind of just been part of how I do business. And I, to be honest, I actually don't understand businesses that don't have at least that a- aspect of it. I think it just makes sense. Like in the current, the way that we're living at the moment and the challenges that we're having in the world, like to even have that sort of, that sort of core or that sort of impact in some capacity, I think it's really important. Um to make a make a decision if you're putting something out into the world you want to make it better rather than just like leave it worse off than it was previously so i think mm. from my perspective i i just think it should be every business and i everyone that's listening to this a podcast would have that same mindset you'd you'd hope because that's why they're trying to learn from other businesses that are doing the same thing so i think it should just it's just embedded in our dna and the i guess the 
interesting part just to add on from that is that you go through these phases and I can see get, uh, going growing to where we are at the moment how brands lose sight of that as well because you can very easily like you start speaking to a CFO and trying to cut costs here and there and then other other parts of the business and how you can easily lose sight of that if you're not really like attached to it and really believe in it mm. so I think yeah, it's just been really interesting going through that phase, particularly during the current climate that we're in at the moment where yeah. you're getting pulled in every direction. So, yeah. It's interesting you you raised that one point because obviously there's right now, in fact, as we chat today, there's there's a lot of buzz um, in the industry about sort of new reporting standards, particularly in Europe coming in uh, around, you know, sustainability and um, ESG and and all those kind of things. And, you know, the sustainability risk assessments and, and how businesses need to be big business, I'm guess I'm talking about really, you know, need to be looking at their capital exposure and all the rest of it to sustainability. Do you find that you, you're having conversations with you know cfos and your financial advisors where they're really still focused on sort of the old school bottom line rather than the more modern and triple bottom line and balancing sustainability in with the cost base yeah i think so it's um i mean we we try and leverage it in in our conversations as much as possible so for instance if we're speaking to like a national pharmacy chain i was speaking to our sales manager recently i was like oh let's actually put that in the forecast for them so that can say like We've got this percentage that we're donating uh, to charity every year. So let's show them that this is what we're doing so it can attribute to their bigger margins overall of what they're, they're as part of their sort of like their expectations of what they're giving as well. So I think we we try and manage, make that as part of our story in, in every decision that we're making. I think... It, it is challenging because you're obviously trying to meet these margins and everyone's like, you're speaking to even like the the banks or lenders or whoever it might be and they're saying, oh, you need certain margins here and there. And you obviously want to get those, but you don't want to lose that sort of core to the to the business. So I think mm. it, it is definitely, you just, it's a constant a battle that you're having um, at, at every stage and you just need to kind of hold onto it as much as you can while also speaking to it as much as possible and trying to uh, make the most of it like share share it as much as you can when you're having these conversations because um as i said i think it should be just part of the everyday but that'd be nice it's not not the case for all businesses at this stage by no means i mean you know i think probably less than less than five percent actually of of businesses as far as we can see are actively really doing something yeah. you know, with regards to sustainability, a lot of people talking about stuff, but not many people actually really doing it to certainly talk to the level that you guys are, um, which, you know, is a bit sad, but at the same time, it presents a huge opportunity. And like you said, it, it makes no sense these days. And I, I know everyone listening is going to, yeah, yeah, we know Giles move on, but it, but it, it makes no sense these days to build a business without sustainability being a really core part of what you're doing because consumers are increasing, increasingly expecting that from you, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, you've obviously got lots of information on your site, which we are going to get to in a second around the around the initiatives that you're doing around sustainability. But do you find that your customers ask you about it? Do they engage with you with regards to sustainability or or is it all about what the product can do for them? I think first and foremost, that's it needs to be a good product. So I think mm. you have if the product doesn't work in them, for our case, we've got a lot of products, but the pain management is the is the def, definitely the best seller. Um, if it's not actually working for them and they're not actually getting a benefit from it, that's that's going to be the first protocol. And yeah. 
then that's when the other parts of the story come into it. So the the sustain, sustainability aspect, that how the where the ingredients come from, the the type of packaging that you're using, etc. So I think that's where the different parts of it come come into play. So yeah, I think we we do get do get questions from our customers around it, and I think it it makes it easier for our their decision making if if it's ticking all the boxes and um, not just ticking the boxes, but actually living by them. And the the box ticking is just like a formality of actually doing the work and show demonstrating it. Um, mm. In some cases, I don't necessarily agree with boxes being ticked being the best option. The example that I like to use is um, in our industry, certified organic. We choose not to be certified organic for our products because we work with a lot of local producers that can't afford to become certified organic, even though they're doing everything they can and they're doing the right things in terms of being organic and following the, those processes, but it's just not viable for them to do it. So we just were very mindful with who we buy our products from. So in that scenario, it, does, it just doesn't make sense. But then in other scenarios, we do actively um, go down that sort of certification process and make sure that it's all in line. Yeah. What you're saying makes sense. And I think, you know, the the biggest checkbox that you can check of all talking about those was just making sure that you're making conscious decisions all the way through, uh, because it's so hard. Well, it actually, it's impossible to be perfect from a sustainability point of view, right? Every business currently has some sort of footprint. Every product has some sort of footprint. You can't expect that you're going to be zero footprint. So the best thing that we can do as business owners is to do what you're doing, which is to, okay, do we go organic certified? I know some consumers would like it, but is that make does it make sense for our brand? Well, actually, no, it doesn't, because what's more important to us is that we source locally. And if we had, if we didn't source locally, then we'd be adding carbon footprint by shipping this stuff in from somewhere else. And we don't want to do that. So you're obviously making, you know, holistically across your business, you know, very conscious choices about what you're doing. You mentioned packaging for a moment there. And obviously, for a product brand like yours, and we had a similar uh, brand on a, f- a few shows ago that was making creams and lotions and, and naturopathy products as well, and 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 she was explaining a similar story. What 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 challenges have you found with your sort of primary packaging? You know, what you put your creams, your lotions, your your bath salts in. Where, what have you found there to first of all make you make the packaging better, but also where you get stuck? Yeah, it's a constant battle. I feel like I stop. I've stopped it many times from launching a new product purely because I'm not happy with the packaging that we're going to source and we set our packaging's far from perfect um we have a particularly challenging aspect of it is because they're a one the, a lot of the products are therapeutic products so we can't use a refillable option or we might not be able to use glass because it's just not safe for the consumers that are using it like our, our pain relief cream so we try and use pcr plastic where we can um, as as an example we always have those sort of challenges and have to toss up between the different options out there and just try and just make a decision on what the best best fit is for for that given market and i think what gives us a bit of grace in sort of being more in that health and medicinal space is all the traditional brands out there that, that are in that space in the pharmacy aren't really doing anything at all so we're we're trying to step into that sort of health space and have these more sustainable options in there and keep improving it, keep constantly improving it and finding better solutions, um, but being the best best option that we we can be. I guess on the other side is that we've done all this research. We've had our, uh, we've got a sustainability officer who's external to us, but also very, uh, makes it sure that we keep 
keeps us accountable um, to our B Corp and everything along those lines. And she's done a lot of research for us on like glass versus plastic versus PCR versus what the different options are. And A, the conflicting information out there is a bit hard to navigate sometimes. You get different people saying different things and not necessarily a clear option, which just makes it more more frustrating quite honestly because you're not really yeah. sure you're not really sure what the best option is and um we're still we're still navigating that every time we launch a new product or um I try and improve existing products as well yeah what you said just resonates so strong with me because you know not being a sustainability expert myself but dealing with sustainable brands all day long and and helping them tell their stories more effectively it's incredibly frustrating to try and work out what actually is the best that they could do and why is such and such better you know why is one solution better than another solution obviously you've settled on um on pcr be you know for majority or some of your products anyway um i can only imagine the conversations that you've had with your sustainability consultant uh to go what why are you saying we can't use aluminium or why are you saying we can't use glass and the the debate becomes almost a religious one doesn't it so emotive because you know everybody including me, loves to hate plastic. But at the same time, sometimes it's the best option. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's and even then going back down the we have our honey and glass jars as an example, and we made a decision to do that. But then if this consumer doesn't take off the label and then recycle it and wash it out properly, it's just going to be thrown out anyway. So it's it's quite and we can educate as much as we can and encourage them to do the right process but then it's the end consumer has actually met has to make that decision as well so it's a big mm. it's a bigger picture as well about how that education is understood and what, what we can do to kind of help them along that journey and and make it make it as uh streamlined as possible i mean given the challenge that you do face have you considered you know doing some sort of take back for the empty containers and uh, so that you can process those industrially yeah we have got we've got that sort of actively running it's not a big part of the business at the moment but it is there it's an option for people to to take um and then we're trying to we're currently in the process of implementing it with our 3pl so that can be a service that they offer we're, we're trying to work, we're working there at the moment to implement that as a service to make that a bit more streamlined as well and trying to get them to get different brands sending it back and improving that process so um there's all these different areas that are happening in the background that we're trying to to implement and make it as streamlined as possible and um ensure that, that we can have these the best practices in place to get the get the best results and i mean i can only imagine your your cfo pulling their hair out when you said yeah we're going to start paying to have all these things come back is that okay yeah i could i you know i could only imagine the start conversations you're starting to have so good on you for taking the you know exploring that option because in some ways it makes a huge amount of sense so obviously sustainability makes sense some ways it makes sense to to incentivize the customer to keep engaging with you in a, in a circular sense but obviously at this point in time particularly in australia reverse logistics is tricky uh, isn't it so um you know good on you for pushing that forward um, but you guys don't just stop there. Obviously, you do things like offsetting emissions. And so I'm intrigued by that because I think so many brands in Australia have kind of leaned into their shipping partners like Sendal or Australia Post, who obviously domestically do carbon neutral shipping anyway. But you go a step further. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So we, we do a lot of tree planting. And that's at, at the moment our core core focus in regards to that. We, we are actively... I can't remember off the top of the, my name, the name of the software that we're about to implement in terms of the certification process to get certified carbon neutral. 
Um, but we've been going through that process to implement that through our um, accounting software so that it's all been tracking and that we're we're making sure that we're keeping on top of it and we can do it faster as well. So we'll be able to do it for next financial year in a certified manner. So we we do it in that aspect. And then we're we're actively working, obviously, with our, our different manufacturers and uh supplies of different ingredients to ensure that we're having coming up with other solutions. So what working with them to as part of ensuring that their processes for sustainability are really clear and the actual ingredients that we're sourcing from Australian native plants in a lot of cases are following the same sort of strict protocols. So we have this mm. in the background that's happening with with the different ingredients as well. So we um yeah, again, it's just these different different areas that are happening in the background. And what I think what's made the biggest impact there for us is having that sort of um, third party still part of the team. She actually used to be part of the team and got another role. So she um, is doing that as an um, external party to keep us accountable and make sure that we've got these sort of impact sort of focuses every year and making sure that we're keeping moving forward, keep sticking along and not letting business as usual just run over everything else that we want to focus on. So I think having yeah. that other party there is, is always really important to ensure that we're moving everything in the right direction for sure. And you're talking there about your external um, external uh, sustainability consultant, I guess. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. I think that's that's really interesting. And I, I do think that it's, there's a lot to be said for that because most small brands, yeah, there's, there's a stage at which you can, you can have an in-house team that's focused on only on sustainability i'm not sure even that's necessarily the best model but certainly having an external person that's that ha, you know is not beholden to the um hierarchy of the business that comes in and and helps you with it i think is a huge commitment uh it says a lot about your commitment to sustainability but i actually think it might be a, a really good model as well for for most small brands so um what are there any challenges with doing that have you have you seen anything that's where it's like actually this isn't working as well as we thought or are there any tips that you've got for other brands that might be thinking about going down that line? Yeah, I, th I think, I mean, there's pros and cons of it, I guess. So the the pros are that you're keeping accountable from a third party. They can keep ensure that you're following the certain um, promises that you're making and getting the impact report out and that aspect of it. So it's making sure those sort of things are ticking along um, as planned. But then I guess, depending on how involved they are in the business, getting them to actively be involved and being the advocate within the business can be a little bit more tr tricky and we haven't nailed that. We're a fully remote team as well. So that just adds to the complexity of how, how what that looks like. So I think we've still got ways of improving that and ensuring that that communication is really clear. But for us, mm. uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a, I guess, how long has it been? Probably six months or so that it's been in this current scenario. And we're just seeing what, going into the new financial year and um, working out what the what that will look like to improve it and make it a bit more streamlined and I think really ensuring that not only she feels that she can share it with the team but also that the team can reach out to her if they have any questions around um, impact or sustainability to to improve their decision making as well and have you embedded sustainability through everyone's roles by giving everyone metrics that they have to work on or is it just a overall goal for the business that she helps you with we we try and have at least one goal that we set on an annual basis that's based on a sustainability focused goal and then as much as possible we try and break that down into different roles where it makes the most sense 
definitely challenging mm. and just coming up with goals and annual quarterly goals and everything is challenging on its in its own right and then trying to add that extra level to it can be challenging but it's something that we are always actively thinking about and when it when there's a period when we feel like we're letting letting it slip someone jade my partner or someone else will like oh don't we've got this other really key part of our business that we need to uphold and and bring it in and talk about it more regularly so uh, we try and ensure that at least everyone has a couple of key metrics or most people have a couple of key metrics that they're focusing on a weekly or quarterly basis to ensure that yeah. um uh, these these key metrics are being met um yeah. it could be as simple as social media f- focusing on like a blog post or a, a social media post on a regular basis talking about our sustainability uh, priorities and sharing that with our community as well so uh, even that sort of aspect of it is really important to to ensure that everyone feels like they're involved in in the journey that we're on. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and what a great thing to, to raise because um, one of the things that we talk about a lot is the importance of enrolling your customers who are ultimately, you know, helping you make the impact you want to make in the world, enrolling them into the journey that you're on and the challenges that you face and also the milestones that you hit. And you just mentioned the fact that you do that actively through blogs, through social media, do you have a particular approach that you feel works? Like how do you approach the sharing of the stuff that you're doing behind the scenes that doesn't relate to the, you know, the sales of the products? Yeah. I mean, socials is always a good one. And then having as part of like our welcome and email flows and having that as a regular, just touch point for for new customers and people that are part of the, part of the journey. There's a lot more that we'd like to be doing. I'd love to be more regular on game myself and I mean more content from from our perspective and putting that out there and just sharing the different areas that are what we're doing but also what we can recommend to our our customers as well and to get more involved and like ideally would love to even doing things as a community would love to be able to do things and I've seen a couple of brands do some really great sort of initiatives where they're with their customers getting them all together and involved in a cleanup of some kind and I love that Mm. I love that and I think that's where we'd love to get our resources just stop us from having that capacity to do as much as we would like to at some stage but we do have those sort of ambitions to to grow it to have the community part of it as much as they can and uh, yeah, really bring them involved in different areas of it for sure. Yeah. I mean, community activation, like some of the other brands are doing, like you say, is inspiring and it's exciting. And, you know, it certainly sets those brands potentially apart because it feels very authentic, you know, when they're, when they're organizing those kind of events, it feels very authentic and it supports their overall mission and their impact statements and all the rest of it. So that's cool. Um, but obviously there's the just the education part as well. You know, one of the great things that we have as brands is, is the power to educate customers on the challenges around sustainability and how to live more sustainable lives themselves and how your brand actually helps them by doing all the hard things that you're doing behind the scenes, all the all the hard work and the choices that you're making, how that actually helps them be a more sustainable person as well. And, you know, I love the way you said, you do, you know, you do share those stories when you when you hit goals and so on and um you know perhaps you've just introduced a new a new line of packaging or something you might share that on socials i think that's really important because customers a want to know but b you know it's valuable for them to know that so that they 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 learn something along the way as well and i mean i'll I'll add one aspect another aspect to this as well just to to share because i i don't want to i wanted to be honest as well around how challenging it can be sometimes we um we spend a lot of time in the like when we we're working towards becoming B Corp. We probably 
at one point spent too much time and too much capacity in focusing on that rather than probably more business metrics that we needed to at that time. And that's kind of made the last few months challenging because we've been focused so heavily on these B Corp impact, new product sort of aspects of the business that are were all, all really critical to our decision making. But then because we've spent that time then and not and taken our eye off the ball with some other key business metrics, it's just made it a lot harder recently and means mm. we haven't been able to give as much as we wanted to in the last 12 months. So it's been it, uh, just from my own experience sharing, I guess it's that it's really important to have these sort of goals and working towards things and do what's within your means as a business owner. But don't forget to look at those key metrics of the business as well, because you want to be a business that's around for a long time as well. So I think just to, from my own personal experience that it's really important to have these these key impact goals. And our, our business is more as any other, like really it drives us. But then we are very mindful that you have to make sure that you don't forget the fundamental business things that you need as well <laughs> yeah no i couldn't agree more and i think the very definition of a sustainable brand is someone that can balance those fundamental Slightly. metrics with the ecological impact of what they're doing right and that's that's the essence of what a sustainable brand really is about so i couldn't have said that better myself i think i think what you just said is brilliant and and i think it's a common story actually in almost everybody particularly the smaller brands where they don't necessarily have dedicated sustainability teams working on their b corp assessment brands that have been through this it is it can can be can't it quite engaging <laughs> to say the very least to cross all the enough boxes to earn those extra points to get you across the line um because it's not easy be becoming a b corp i mean i've i've looked at it and gone okay uh one day that's a bit of a, st a steep hill for me to climb in my business right now uh and we've actually got someone on the show in a few weeks who's, who's going to help us a little bit with that as well but uh but congratulations though on doing that and becoming a B Corp. I know that's not an easy thing to do. And I think it speaks absolute volumes about your commitment personally as the leader, but also your brand's commitment to sustainability. It's, it's no small thing. So, so well done for doing that. Thank you. No, thank you. It was, uh, took a couple of years to get it all up and running and go through that process. Fortunately, we were ticking a lot of the boxes already. So it wasn't like, yeah, we, it wasn't too much of a stretch to actually get there. We were, we were on, on the journey anyway. Um, but it just allowed us to um, to to feel a lot of pride, quite honestly, as a as a business and yeah. as a team to uh, genuinely uh, reach that sort of uh, level. The one thing I've said to a couple of people that have asked me about B Corp and like the big challenge associated with like actually getting certification is that a, it's a lot easier to do it when you're little, like a small business, than when you're mm. a bit bigger. Like a, a few large companies have reached out and asked, oh how how do you do it? How like, how do you manage to get certified? I was like, oh, it was just in our DNA from the get-go. So it wasn't a as big a challenge. But when they've got 50, 60 staff, like it's a much bigger, bigger ask. So that's that's all I've said. Mm. Just if you start in if it's in your DNA from the get-go, it makes it a lot easier to actually get certified when when the time's right for you. That's a brilliant piece of advice. And and again, it's been echoed by everybody I've spoken to uh, because there's this hesitation i think oh i'll do that when i'm ready when i'm a bit bigger then i'll be able to do it but the reality is the sooner you start the easier it's going to be because as you get bigger bigger means generally more complexity more layers more cost more more, um, more people more more products more suppliers all the rest of it right and and every time you add one of those things you're adding another layer of complexity that you need to kind of figure out for the b corp process so uh 
just great job again. Uh, you're obviously on a fantastic journey. What's where do you see Zia going? What are what are the key things that you're working on? Your milestones and 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 the big impacts that you want to have sort of over the next couple of years. Yeah, so I mean, our, our overarching vision is to improve the quality of life of 10 million people by 2030. Um, it's a very hefty vision, but it's not just through product sales; it's through philanthropy and um, developing great content that improves people's lives, um, whether it's health or in other ways, and planting trees, whatever it might be. So we're, we've we've got that as our overarching um, big, hairy, audacious goal um, that we want to would love to achieve in the next couple of years. Um, it's expanding our sort of like reach with our pain relief products, um, getting get on, getting our hands into more people that it improves the lives of. Um, that's really important for us. And then looking at other verticals in that sort of health space that we can develop products around Kunzia that um, can have a positive impact. So whatever whatever that looks like, we've got a couple of products in, in the pipeline that we're, we're keen on and we think are great uh, opportunities to to disrupt that sort of health space. Um, so I think that's where we see a lot of our attention going. And then, yeah, just working towards, I guess, certified again, B Corp in, I guess, 18 months time, whenever it might be. And then uh, just ticking along and just keeping keeping on the journey of being a sustainable brand and not losing sight of that. Fantastic. And, and you know, obviously that's a massive goal that you have there. Do you see international expansion being part of that? And is that going to be interesting given, I mean, Kunzi is obviously a native, right, to to Australia at least. Uh, does that does the power of that story dilute somewhat if you're marketing internationally? I mean, no one knows of Kunzi in Australia, let alone the rest of the world. So I think that's always... Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's an education piece anywhere we go. I think... Um, I think we're still we still have that challenge that we always have to come up against. So, the the biggest challenge is making sure that the price points where people are willing to pay in other countries more so than anything, and the different exchange rates. So, I think it's just making sure that we can keep the quality of products and expand into these different markets. But yeah, international expansion, predominantly e-com, international expansion is definitely where uh, we see the see the business growing. And B two B is our focus in Australia, grow B2B in Australia, and then um, e-com in a couple of international markets is the goal. Yeah, amazing. So, uh, I mean, you've just opened another door, which I feel like I need to just cross through just quickly. B2B, obviously, are you talking about wholesale or what's your main strategy around B2B? Yeah, so I guess we've got about a thousand stores or close to that we stock our products now. So we're amazing. Uh, Allied Health is one part, uh, natural health stores. So we're in GoViters and that type of thing. And then pharmacy so um we just uh terry white pharmacy we just got the tick from them which is incredible um outstanding and a couple of other pharmacy chains we're looking at so we're kind of across the uh, quite a, a variety of different areas there when it comes to retail but uh, that's an area that i think in australia it get, just gets our brand out there into to more places and um gives people another option on the shelf to choose from that isn't um, a big pharmacy company or whatever. So it just get, gives them another option in these pharmaceutical uh, stores. Fantastic. So Terry White Chemist is coming soon, but where can people go and get it right now, uh, Hayden? Where can where should people go if they want to get some some Zia products? Uh, well, our website's just zia.com.au. So that's our website. Go Vita stores, as I said, for that sort of health so natural option as well is a, a great option We're in quite a few of those stores. And yeah, that's the... Where, where I would go to at, at this stage. Outstanding. Well, thanks so much for sharing 
the highs and some of the lows and challenges that you're facing. I think they're the same story, the same challenges that so many brands are facing. So I know that people have, will have resonated a lot with with what you've just been talking about. So I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and join us and chat with us today. So Hayden, thanks very much. Pleasure. Thanks so much, Giles. Really enjoyed it. Back to Giles again for my top takeouts. And I think my main takeout for you from today's chat with Hayden is that if you find yourself struggling to balance profitable growth with making sustainable choices, you're definitely not alone. And the reason it can seem so tricky is because this isn't a simple two-dimensional balance issue. To conjure up some sort of mental imagery, it's more like a balance ball than a seesaw. You have to find that balance across every aspect of your business. You heard Hayden, for example, talk about expectations at play for gross margins to get finance approval versus the embedded costs of organic supply. He talked about balancing the expectation for getting organic certification versus supporting local suppliers. And of course, things like balancing the mindshare of getting B Corp certification versus chasing down growth, especially in tough economic conditions like now. So we know that walking a pathway to sustainability is the right thing to do. It's essential for the health of our planet. Consumers expect it, even if it is just one checkbox amongst their purchasing criteria. And increasingly, regulators and investors are demanding it. But none of that makes it easy to balance. So never forget that what you're doing in building your own sustainable brand is incredible. And you should be very proud of how far you've come. So I hope you enjoyed today's down-to-earth chat with Hayden. I'll be back again with you next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.